I'm excited. I can't wait to dive into today's message because today we're continuing a message about worship. How many of you love the Lord? You're ready to worship him with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength. Amen. Amen. Last week, we, we really talked about um, uh, uh, the, the preparation that we go through in worship. And today, I want to take you to the place of worship. The place of worship. I, I could take you in my life to different places of worship that I've been in. I mean, I, I grew up in a, in a smaller church, uh, attending other smaller churches, and, uh, and uh, the, the worship was real, it was palpable. You could walk in and you could sense the very presence of God. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about right here? You could walk in and you could tell that the Lord was in that place. It didn't matter if the musicians were really good. I've been in those places before. I think you were here today where the musicians were really good. Or you could walk into a place where the musicians were learning to be good. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about there too. Musicians, and and I want to tell you that that in both places and spaces, God showed up in a powerful way. I, you know, one one of the things I love most about our worship arts program is that I know each one of these people, and and y'all y'all may not know them like I know them. I know their backstories. I know the things that God has done in their hearts. I know what God has set them free of. And I, I welcome people that, ex, that worship with exuberance because what the Lord has done. I, I, I want to tell you something that you, you just don't know sometimes what the Lord has worked in a person's heart. So you can't hold their worship in judgment because God is doing some great things at Christ's legacy. I want to tell you that right now. And, 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 and something I, I also want to mention to you is that I, it hasn't been just church that I've worshiped God. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been, I've been uh, um, <laughs> sitting by, beside my bed in worship. I can't tell you how many times I've knelt at my desk and work. I can't tell you how many times I've been driving down the street, bawling, and people staring at me like, what is going on in there? That's the kind of worship I'm talking about. Matter of fact, this, this kind of has taken place for me in a, in a very real way lately. I, I went through my library in my office. I've been doing a little bit of cleaning, reorganization. I picked up a book, you know, kind of moving things around. I flipped through its pages, and I immediately saw a highlight of text that I highlighted right there. And immediately, I was standing in holy ground. Because in the pages of that book, I, I gave the Lord something. I gave the Lord a part of me. And it meant something to me. And, and, it, and I remember the tear stains in that book. And I remember why I, I cried those tears. Because in that moment, I was transported into a place of holiness. Whatever I gave the Lord something that I was holding back. And I want to let you know that the Lord has a desire for worshipers this morning. When, when we worship, 
something happens in an incredible way. The problem is, is that when we worship and we start ugly crying in the public place, it gets a little confusing and a little bit anxious for everybody around us. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's been times whenever I was sitting and praying in my office, and I mean, I was just, you know, I've told you before that I have to go to the altar before y'all go to the altar so that there's an altar to go to. Think about that for a little while. Anyway, and so I'm, I'm, I'm at the altar in my office, and then, and then all of a sudden a staff member comes in. They don't know what's going on. They, whoa, we're, we're just going to scoot away here. I, I, I know for a fact that the staff has probably talked about me behind my back, worried, trying to stage an intervention for whatever must be going on in my life. That's how ugly it gets sometimes in my worship. But I want to let you know that it's totally understandable, guys. It's totally understandable. See, worship is not about music. Worship is not about atmosphere. Worship is not about lights. It's not about fog. It's, it's not about greeters at the door. It's not about coming together in a, in a place even. Worship is something more specific. You see, worship doesn't come cheap. And I think that sometimes we enter into a place and everything is set before us. And it's time to worship like a buffet where, you know, you, your parents invite you to go out to a buffet and you gladly go because you didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> and you begin to eat. But I want you to know that somebody paid something so that worship could happen. And I want us in this place this morning to come to a place of worship that doesn't come cheap in our lives. Where we offer something back to God because he is worthy of our praise. It's not about a song that we can sing. It's not even about taking a knee. It's about coming to the Lord's presence, offering something from us, from who we are. And that's what I want as a pastor so badly this morning. It's for us to, to grab a hold of what it really truly means to worship God in a very real way. You see, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. As you're turning there, I want to invite you. You could also follow us along with our Bible app. You just uh, click on the Bible app, click on menu, events, and uh, you can, if your location services are set, you can go find our church. You can see all of our notes there. It's kind of like a church bulletin, but my notes are right there for you to go to. But if you brought a, 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 a Bible, a physical Bible, praise God. You ought to be reading something. His word is divine. His word is perfect, and it is the exact thing that you and I created to live by. Amen. That's another message. Excuse me. I do that sometimes. See, if we were going to go to Hebrews chapter 11, the Faith Hall of Fame, then we'd be reading about the person that we're going to be talking about today, Abraham. You see, Abraham is a man of faith. He's the friend of God. He is the father of our faith, you see. See, in Abraham's life, his faith was tested in a big way at least three times. Three times his faith was tested. First time whenever God spoke to him and said, Abraham, I want you to move away from everything that you know and all of your family and move to a place I'll show you. You didn't know? He, he didn't know where he was going. He just set out and, and went in obedience. 
That's a test of faith. The second test is, Abraham, I promise you a son. And he had to wait for it. And he was too old. And his wife was too old. That's a test of faith. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm almost 40. And if the Lord told me I was about to have a kid, it would be a test of faith for me, for sure. I can't imagine being 100 years old. I can, actually, some days. It feels like I wake up feeling 100 years old. Anyway. But then there's this last test of faith that we're going to be focusing in on in Genesis chapter 22 this morning. See, I want to pause as we read through this passage. This is a passage of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. And, and I can't help this morning but point to Jesus. Did you know that Jesus is all through Scripture? He doesn't, he doesn't just start at the New Testament. The, the Word of God says that he was present in the beginning. And I can't help but point you to Jesus with everything that we read. If you are a, a theological person, this is the types of sh and shadows of Christ in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 22, we're going to start in verse 1. Now it came about after these things that God, somebody say, tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. You see, Abraham found himself immediately thro thrown into a place of testing. A place of testing. You see, some of us here today are in that very place in our hearts and our lives, in a place of testing. You've been faithful to God. You've been walking to, with God. You've been doing your best to carry out a life filled with faith and trust in him. But the Lord has placed you in a place of testing. And it's so important that you realize that he has placed you there. It's not because you've done something wrong. It's not because you've turned the wrong direction. Sometimes we turn in the exact right direction and find ourselves in the place that God wants for us in a place of testing. So what do you think that must have been going on in Abraham's mind whenever the Lord delivered this message to him? It's so easy to read through this passage of Scripture and not realize the emotion, emotional complexity of this moment, this confusion that arises in Abraham. Why? God, why? This is my son. This is the son you gave me. This is the son you promised me. Why? But in this moment of complexity... In this moment of confusion, in this moment of high emotion, you never hear that voice in Scripture. All you see is an obedient servant. Obedient servant in a place of testing. You see, I believe that there is a place of testing in each one of our lives this morning that where God is calling each one of us as individuals to release something back to him. Even a blessing that he has given us. You see, there's this, this dream, this vision, a, a future that, that God has given you. And you have been working to make it a reality in your life. 
But God is calling us this morning to give that reality back to him. For some of us, it could be a job or a relationship. For some of us, it could be a home. For some of us, it it could be an opportunity that's represented in front of us as if God himself gave it to us. But even in the dream, even in the, in the future that God has handed us, we are called to make ensure that it is his and his alone. In other words, we're not going to be people that chase after a blessing from God. We're going to be a people that chase after God himself. Genesis chapter 22, verse 3 through 5 says, Abraham rose early in the morning. And he saddled his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split wood for burnt offering, and he arose, and he went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. And I and the lad will go over there, and we will, and we will, and we will, and return to you. See, there's this rule in theology concerning the a hermeneutical study of Scripture, and it's called the law of first reference. The law of first reference. And what we've just witnessed in this passage of text is the first time we see the word worship emerge in Scripture. And this rule is so important because it sets the precedent. It sets the tone. It sets the foundation of our understanding of what the thing it references that it's all about. And in this moment we see the first worship experience is not in a church and it's not with music and it's not with celebration. The first worship experience is a hundred-year-old man with a teenage son in a crisis of faith but maintaining faithfulness walking up a hill. The first worship experience we see as a moment of sacrifice. The first worship experience that we see is a moment of obedience despite what might be going on in our, in our lives. I want you to know this morning that the first worship experience is a place of testing. When you're going through a test in your life, when you're faced with a struggle, uh, uh, faced with a, a difficulty, faced with a circumstance that you don't know the direction to turn, God wants us to understand that you are faced with an opportunity to trust him and to bring about an action of worship Amen. unto him. You see, because the place of testing provides us with a place of trust. There's a Jewish tradition called the, the Midrash Rabbah. It's a commentary companion that is associated with the Pentateuch, the first five books that Moses wrote. And this is Jewish tradition. It's not an inspiration, but, but it's been 
It's an ancient text that goes along to help Jewish people understand and interpret their scripture, that Pentateuch. And if you were to read the account of Genesis chapter 22 in the Midrash Rabbah, we would find a compelling text that illustrates this point very well. You see, because in it, the Midrash tells us, uh, describes Abraham's journey to, the sac- to sacrificing Isaac. And at each pause, at, at each comma, at, at each conjunction, the Midrash says that that's, those are the moments that the Lord is prying Abraham's hands loose. Prying his hands loose. And I I can show it to you in scripture. I can prove it to you. As a matter of fact, we can count the number of times this occurs. Because as we count, we can actually look at the Hebrew word eth. Turn to somebody and say eth. Right right here, that's that's the word eth. And this word is called a polysyndetone. Okay? Polysyndetone is, is simply this. A... An intentional conjunction that is placed to tie ideas and themes together in a a word to show us the emphasis in the number of times it's used. And eth in Hebrew is translated and. See, uh, if you've been here for a little while, you know that in Greek, I love to look at the word all. That definition means all, right? All means everybody. But in Hebrew, I want to show us that the word eth means and. And it's so important to our understanding of this text this morning. Because as we read the number of ands within Genesis chapter 22, verses 3 through 5, we can see moments of God prying open Abraham's hands. So Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey. And he took two of his young men with him. And his son Isaac... And he split wood for the burnt offering. And he sent out, and he went out to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey and and I. And the boy. We'll go over there and we will worship and we will return. I I need somebody to understand this morning that when we worship with obedience, that our trust comes before the the provision, that our trust is weaved through this passage of Scripture that we can trust even though each step is painful, even though each step is a moment where God, in our obedience, pries our hands loose so that we can offer back to God what He's given to us. I need us to understand this morning that we can't give God something that He didn't first give us. 
You see, we're a people here today that are completely and totally blessed. There are moments in our life where we have to lay everything down at his feet. Even the promises that he's given to us. Because God delights in our submission to him. See, the worship that God wants to see in us is not the songs and not the dances and, and not, not the exuberance. Although those things are good, God is looking for a worshiper's heart that is completely, totally in submission to him, even if we have to determine to let our hands loose of everything that we have. That's the kind of God worship God desires. Genesis 22, 6. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hands the fire and the knife so that two of them walked on together. I need to stop and show you this. This is the picture of Christ. That wood... That Abraham laid on his son, his one and only son, is a picture of God the Father laying that old rugged cross, that wooden cross on the back of his son, walking up a hill, not called Mount Moriah, but, but called Mount Calvary. And in this moment, we see this beautiful, beautiful symbol, this type of and shadows of Christ following after God, walking with him, the ultimate sacrifice, carrying that cross, carrying the wood on his back, and God the Father and no one else carrying that knife and that fire because it was the Lord, God the Father, that sacrificed his son. It wasn't the Jews, it wasn't the Romans, it wasn't the disciples that deserted him. It was God the Father himself that made the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. Jesus said, nobody, nobody takes my life, I lay it down willingly. And we see this beautiful picture of the salvific work of, of Christ here in the first book of the Bible. Genesis 22, 7 through 8 tells us, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Can you hear the, the love that he has for him? Do, do, do you hear that in, in this text? He didn't say, Here I am. Here I am, my son. My son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but... But where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, listen to this. Don't miss this. Don't read too fast over this. Listen to Abraham's faith. He said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Now, some of y'all... This is where we start acting real spiritual right here. This is where we start thinking that everything is going to be fine. God will provide, don't you worry, because we can read it ahead. We know that God is going to provide the lamb, but Abraham didn't see it. He didn't see it. Abraham didn't know. He was in a place of trust. He had to walk every step with the son that he was about to sacrifice. And he knew that he was walking every step with God. He was walking in obedience. And then we find in our scripture, 
last week that we know now in the New Testament that worship is expressed in the same way, but instead we find out that Romans 12.1 says, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. You see, there are moments in our life where we walk into a service and we lift up our hands and we raise our voices in worship and we think that we worship. The the problem with that offering to, to the Lord in worship is simply this, is that we didn't stop and realize that the sacrifice was us. We are the sacrifice. We are the ones that are to die to ourselves, to crawl up onto that altar and to allow God to be, to allow ourselves to be submitted to God completely and totally surrendered to him. We're the living sacrifice. Why? Because we know that there has already been a sufficient sacrifice. That sacrifice, there was somebody that already died for us. He died for you and I, and it's Jesus Christ. And it's who we can depend on and rely on. You see, we have to remember that that when we worship God, we give him everything. Finally, we come to a place of provision. Turn to somebody and say provision. See, I've been waiting all day to get to this point because this is the point that we love. We love provision. We don't like testing. Testing's tough. It's hard. We we don't like trust because trust means that we gotta we gotta have faith. We gotta look ahead and and believe without seeing. But we like provision. But I want you to know this morning that you can't get to provision until you you go through a place of testing and you go through a place of trust. That's the way to provision in our lives. That's the way to provision. But watch this. Abraham in his faith said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. I need somebody to know this morning that ultimately it's not about us. It's not about the worship that we offer. It's not about us being able to do it. It's not about us being good enough. It's about Jesus and what he's already done, the complete work that he's already given to us, the free gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the kind of worship that God desires is for us to acknowledge that there is nothing that we can do to make things right with God except for us to know that God provided for himself the lamb already. And all we have to do is believe in the lamb of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now you didn't say amen loud enough. Try it again. Amen. Amen. God has provided for us that lamb. See, our worship comes from a place that acknowledges that while we are to die for ourselves and follow him, there is one that already died. But here's the catch. Abraham didn't know that God was going to send Jesus. He just had to walk by faith and not by sight. He had to walk. He had to trust. He had to believe. And every step was that moment of of. Abraham letting go a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. And Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, gives us this glimpse of what was going through Abraham's mind in that moment. It says, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. 
And in this sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. I need somebody to understand this morning that Abraham wasn't hoping for an alternative sacrifice to present, him, present itself. Abraham wasn't praying that there was, there was something different. Abraham was walking willingly into this moment, believing that even if Isaac died, that because Isaac was a promise, that God was willing and able to even raise him back up from the dead. I need somebody to understand that if God has given you a vision and you given you a dream and you, if you are scared to let it go because you don't know and you're not willing to trust God, I want you to know that you can safely let it go because when you let it go, God can even bring it back from the dead. Praise God. You can do it. You can have confidence that when you give it to the Father that he can even raise it back up from the dead. See, it doesn't matter what I give to him because he can make it come alive again. Genesis 22, 9 through 10 tells us, Then they came to the place which God had told him. And here we are, polysynetons again. And Abraham built an altar there. And he arranged the wood. And he bound his son Isaac. And he laid it on the altar. On the top of the wood, Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. Abraham was a man of faith. But faithful Abraham just kept taking one step after another. Friend, can I tell you that we don't always have to understand where God is going or what he's doing. All we have to do is be obedient to the Lord with every step that we take. Because when we're obedient, it doesn't matter what's going on. We're obedient. We just have to trust and walk in a place of trust because we know that when we are tested and when we trust, we're walking into a place of provision for our lives. Genesis 22, verse 11. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Notice that he replied to God in the same way that he replied to him the first time. Here I am. That's the reply of a servant. That's the reply of a servant. You know, whenever you're calling your kids like mine, I, you know, I got four kids, 10, 8, 3, and 1. And if I call somebody's name out, I better hear it. Here I am. Because we have problems in our house about that. I call out names and people don't listen to me. I don't forget about that. I get up and find them. I said, where are you? Here I am. He's a faithful servant of God, ready and willing to be, to be obedient even in the moments of a sacrifice. Continuing on, verse 12, don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, 
your only son. This me, this, this word me is so important because we see an angel of the Lord appear. And then he says, from me, we can understand in that moment that we are looking at a Christophany, a moment of Christ pre-incarnate in scripture. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught it by its horns in the thicket. Now watch this. Listen to this. Don't miss this. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. It's a salvific substitutionary offering. It's exactly what Jesus was for us. That while we were supposed to be the ones on the cross, the father substituted him. In that moment, you and I, we don't have to die. You and I are no longer dead in our sin when we put our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ as our substitutionary offering. We can trust. We can trust that death no longer has its grips on us. We can trust that that death's not the end. We can put our hope and our trust in Jesus Because he's our offering once and for all. Watch this, verse 14. Abraham named the place Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Is there a place in your life that you can look at and you can say, the Lord provided for me in that place? At that time, in that moment, I can take you to a place where I hit my knees and I poured my heart out to the Lord in thanks and in gratitude because in that moment, the Lord provided for me. I can tell you personally that the Lord, he is Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He's our provider. God provided in that moment. It wasn't Abraham's son, Isaac, that God wanted. It was Abraham's heart. It was Abraham's worship. family the first act of worship the first act of worship was a place of testing and it sets the tone for all of us the first act of worship is a place of testing so that we can learn to trust him as we learn to let go of the things that we're holding on to so closely and trust God with our 100% obedience that even if he takes it, he'll provide a way in our lives. We can trust him. See, this morning, I think there are people here in this moment that are in a place of testing in your life. You're here in this room and there's something going on in relationships or on the job, something that's going on in your home and you're in a place of testing and you've been trying and you've been working and you've been trying to work it out on your own but it doesn't seem to work and you feel like all of your options are being taken away one at a time and there's nowhere to go. And maybe you've even been struggling thinking that this is brought on by some wrong turn or some thing that you've done. But you're exactly where God wants you to be. 
exactly where he needs you to be, exactly where he's trying to lead you. Not into a place of testing, but through a place of testing. Through a place of trust. So that you and I can find ourselves into the place of provision that he desires for our lives. We also must remember that God often works his purposes through the death of our visions. Whatever you thought that the future held, whatever you're hoping in, whatever you're depending in, save Christ. We have to come to a place where we're willing to let it go so that we can give it to him. You might have come into this place and found it hard to worship this morning because you're just dealing with what's going on right now. But I want to give you another chance this morning. Would you stand up with me all over this place? I need somebody to understand this, that you don't have to know where it's gonna, how it's going to end up. You, you don't have to know where you're going to understand that you're going into a place of, of provision so long as you trust God through that test. Each one of us, each one of us are being challenged this morning to trust, to trust, to be faithful, to be obedient, to let the Lord pry our hands open, to trust the Lord with all of our heart, not to lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways to acknowledge Him. And then He'll direct our path. It's not about how wise you are. It's not about your five-year plan. It's not even about your five-minute plan. Put it on hold. This moment is the important moment of the day. Will you trust Him? Right now, I want to invite us to go into a moment of worship. I want to open these altars. If you are dealing with God and God is dealing with you, I want you to come to a place down here at the front and begin to pour out your heart and show him that in spite of the situation and the circumstance and the difficulty, that you're going to give him your best worship. Let's worship the Lord this morning right now. We have open hands. We have open hearts. Lord, we trust you with each and every step of the way. Lord, we trust you, God, in, in the midst of our test. We trust you, Lord Jesus. Because anything that we give to you, Lord, we know, God. We know that we can trust you with it, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for making yourself real in this place. Mighty God. Hallelujah. Church family, I need to tell you something. You see that it's not just up to us individually to trust God. It's also up to our church collectively to come to him no matter what's going on in your individual life and raise up a sacrifice of praise in the house of the Lord. That as each one of us raise up that praise, we join together to raise up that praise. 
And the Bible says is the, the fragrance, the aroma of the praise that comes from a, a right sacrifice ascends into heaven and fills God's temple Amen. with the praises of his saints. Amen. That's what we're doing here. And so as we do that, we're going to be a church where people can find God. We're going to be a church that gives hope. And we're going to be a church that what? Does life together. God is not done moving in your heart. He's not done moving in our lives. And he's still moving in this church, in this community. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. I'm going to say a prayer of blessing over your life right now. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would help us to walk out of this place knowing that we have been with you. Lord, that we have raised holy hands and holy hearts and worship to you despite the test we have trusted. And Lord, we have truly worshiped you. Now I pray, Lord Jesus, that our character and our presence with the people around us, Lord, that they could tell that we've been with you. And Lord, that we would invite people to come to this church so that we can adopt people into our family. We give you all the praise. Help us to win the loss to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go into our community and be a light for him. Amen? God bless you today.